Now, for the show that brings combat sports stories to life from the great state of Ohio, this is Forged in Ohio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 27 of Forged in Ohio. This is Jake Murrin, the host of the podcast, and today, as always, I'm joined by an incredible athlete. He was a three-time state champion in high school, a two-time All-American, and a D1 wrestler at Cleveland State. You may ask, what has he done since? Well... He not only made his debut in mixed martial arts in 2021, but he's 3-0 with three wins inside the distance. Plus, the Archangel returns on June 3rd to take on his next victim. Without further ado, let's bring in Chase the Archangel Archangelo. Thanks for coming on the show, Chase, and welcome to Forged in Ohio. Hey, thank you so much, man. Really happy to be on here, man. Yeah, man, I couldn't be happier to bring you on Forged in Ohio. I just mentioned all your accolades in wrestling at high school, and it sounds like wrestling was the first mixed martial art that you were exposed to. How young were you when you were first introduced to wrestling, and why was that the sport for you? Well, uh, you know, I started wrestling when I was four years old. My dad was a Division One wrestler as well. He wrestled at Delaware State University when they had a wrestling program, and that's where I am from. I am from the first state of Delaware, but I moved out here about six years ago, and I call this place home now. And, uh, yeah, wrestling just became a really good lifestyle for me. And, you know, I played football when I was younger, played baseball and all that. And didn't my brother played football. Yeah, that was his sport, but wrestling kind of latched on to me. And, uh, you know, it be, I became really obsessed with it. And uh, wrestling to me itself was a very – good getaway you know i was very small when i was a kid though but wrestling there's no such thing as being too small just like in versus football and basketball you get you can't be too short can't be too heavy but in wrestling you can have weight classes for that and you know that was it was absolutely perfect for me so you start wrestling at just four years old was it something that you just started enjoying right away starting that young and then just obviously developing your wrestling game throughout high school and going into the d1 level Wrestling to me, it was real fun for me, you know, watching my dad competing at like open tournaments and he was beating a lot of college guys and I loved watching it. And I kind of wanted to be a part of it. And I didn't really understand the winning and losing thing at that young of age because my brother and I, we wrestled together when we, were, when we were kids and I saw my brother win a state title, kid state title. He's about 20 months older than me. So that's when I started to get a little spark and taking it more serious and my dad was coaching high school at the time. He was coaching a top-tier program back in Delaware. And uh, also, it was it was pretty cool to experience. And I started turning it up and started training every day and taking wrestling a lot more serious. And I ended up winning five state titles as a kid. I mean, to me, that was a big honor. And, and then once I got into high school, you know, my goal was to be the, the next four-time state champ back in, back in Delaware. And Back then, there was only 11 that, that's done it, and it was one of my teammates who did it too right before me. It was Brent Fleetwood. And uh, I lost my freshman year in the state finals at 106, and it humbled me a lot because it just shows that, you know, that you can lose and anything can happen, especially at that, at that stage. And it kind of changed me as a man in general and turned my life, like, all the way around. Yeah, it sounds like wrestling is in your blood. It's in your family roots to a certain extent. Are there any other family members that still compete in wrestling? Yeah, so my cousin, he's my second cousin. His name's um, JT Davis. He uh, wrestles for Lehigh. 
I trained him when out since he was a little kid and, you know, he ended up being on my team the last year I was in high school, uh, at Smyrna high school, um, back in Delaware, there used to be a really big powerhouse in, in, uh, Delaware. I mean, we used to, we were the top dogs in Delaware and, uh, he, uh, came onto the wrestling team, Smyrna, came to Smyrna high school with me his freshman year. And I was a senior when he came in and, you know, I kind of took him under, under my wing and, then since I went to college and stuff, he's been just absolutely dominating. He dominated high school, one state two times, I think, and then uh, committed to Lehigh University. Lehigh is an absolute powerhouse at the Division One level. So what's that like being able to take a family member like that under your wing? And I'm sure you've had some coaching experience in the past with all your wrestling credentials and even in MMA to a certain extent as well. But bringing mm-hmm. in a cousin like that and being able to show him the ropes in wrestling at least, what's that like? I mean, it was pretty cool. I mean, he actually did more of it. It was all more of on his own. And, you know, I just spark, you know, jumped the car, you know, and, you know, in high school, you know, it was pretty cool having him on my team. And then, you know, then I, after I moved to Cleveland, you know, it, he kind of did his own thing. He did all the right things, went to a lot of good coaches and, and, uh, you know, he had a really good coaching staff at Smyrna and got obsessed with the game. And, you know, when you're obsessed with the game, it becomes a lot more, obsessive and like you you just keep getting up every day have wake up with a purpose and you, you go after it. exactly what he did and because it's exactly how i did it you know i wake up every day looking forward to going to practice seeing my brothers my teammates and like just like that having that good family culture is pretty badass and that's why when i came to strong style when i started fighting it was the same same feeling i had i was in a more like a family and a like a war family than anything. Yeah, so you're from Delaware and you moved to Ohio to wrestle at Cleveland State. What encouraged you to make the move to Ohio and wrestle for the Vikings? So I was on an official visit back in 2016. I went on an official visit and ironically it was when Stipe was fighting Overeem and uh, I really was just ta- looking around. Make- I loved the city. I loved the people itself and Cleveland State was such a good campus for me. It was a not too big of a school, but it was it was a good size enough for me to um, excel and succeed. And as soon as I watched Stipe win the title and the Quicken Loans back then, it was like a sealed deal for me. And I, I, I wanted to come here so bad. And then I also met Cody Garbrandt at, at Buffalo Wild Wings. So that was pretty <laughs> damn cool. And I never really thought I was going to fight. You know, after wrestling, because, you know, I had a really good career at Cleveland State University. You know, I never made nationals, but my junior and senior year, I, ha- I had a battle through some adversity and stuff. And uh, fighting kind of found me. And ironically, now I'm start training there. And it's probably the best thing that's ever happened to me. So you were in the crowd for Stipe versus Overeem. Yeah, I was. It was pretty badass. Yeah, and, talk to me about that atmosphere, man. Oh, man, like... I never thought like it was like something that I would have done, you know, but you know, I've watched McGregor and Stipe my whole life. And, but when I actually went to my first UFC event, it, I walked in there and it, this sport is so different from everyone else, everything else. I mean, like when I walk in there, they're here to watch me, you know, and there, we were all there to watch Stipe, you know, it's, it, it was such a like different environment than wrestling. So obviously I mean, wrestling is, is almost similar because it's a very individual sport just like fighting but at that level and having all these people behind 
behind you and Cleveland's such a loyal city, man. Like they, you can just tear it all up and then they're all there for you at the end of the, at the end of the day, you know? And when he won that belt, I'd never heard a louder crowd than, than that. Out of all my years of competing, I've never heard a crowd louder than that when he won. It was absolutely like an experience that you had to be there to, to watch. So with that experience in mind, and then, of course, the Cleveland State offer and that visit, were those the things that were kind of bringing you to Northeast Ohio? Obviously, you know, the Cleveland State and wrestling, but also Strong Style being there and experiencing that crowd and that Northeast Ohio culture that we have here. Yeah, I mean, Northeast Ohio has its, its own uniqueness. And, like, me, me, I lived downtown. I lived When I was living downtown for five years, you know, I, it was a very big but small city, but like everyone knows each other and stuff like that. But like the culture itself is like, we, we just want to have champions, you know? And like I've me being from Delaware, I mean, Delaware's not the strongest state for wrestling, but when I came out here and wrestling is a, like, it's an absolute dynasty here, especially in Northeast Ohio, you know, with St. Ed's and multiple other schools. And I started taking that and I started going around and I was, you know, trying to get it all understanding and, you know, getting to know the culture itself and it absolutely was spectacular. And then when I knew that strong style was right down the street from me, I was like, maybe this could be something for me after my wrestling. I'm not really sure, but it wasn't really a thought until after I got, you know, done with my wrestling career and it was really convenient for me. And then it just kind of just turned into my life. And that was pretty much it, man. It's just the environment itself. And I got to know a lot of, really cool people and I've got to meet a lot of cool people and having that the sports environment itself in Cleveland is absolutely uncomparable to other cities and I I grew up in Phil like around Philly Philadelphia I'm like an hour from Baltimore DC New York City two and a half hours away and I till this day I can't say who has a better fan base I mean it's Cleveland Cleveland has the best fan base out there man and it's absolutely uncomparable to anywhere else Yeah, you love to hear it. We have a lot of Ohio pride on this podcast. Of course, it's called Forged in Ohio, and it's great to hear that your experience has been so good so far in the Buckeye State. I wanted to ask you, and you kind of mentioned it there a little bit, when in your life did you think that MMA was the route for you? Was it during your time at Cleveland State or just after graduation? It was my at the end of my uh, fourth year. It was during the pandemic. So we really didn't really have a season during the pandemic. And I, w- I left the, the wrestling team right when the season ended. I was going through a very, like, really tough time with, with the pandemics, like the adaptation with, with school and, and, you know, practice itself. Like, we, would get, we were getting tested for COVID five days a week. It's super stressful. And, and then I also, after I left the wrestling team, didn't really know what to do with my life, just finishing school up. And I, my, my personal self, I was like – didn't really know what I wanted and like and then I got into a really harsh breakup and I was super rock bottom and I didn't really know what I wanted I felt everything I just felt like I was in a corner and then uh my one of my best friends he used to wrestle for Ohio State Jose Rodriguez he was a division two national champ um at Notre Dame he kind of just gave me a little bit of a push and uh was like listen bro like you've always wanted a fight like we, you can really be good at this. And, you know, I had no boxing background, you know, my uncle boxed pro box back in the day, but you know, I never really got into boxing, you know, and 
I didn't really know what, what to do. I just had my wrestling and, you know, I was very, I was independent. I fought as an independent, my first fight. And it took me six months. I went clean. I got sober and really was got back to that tunnel vision. Like I used to have when I wrestled in college and throughout my whole athletic career and it turned my life fully around. And then September 11th, 2021, I, I fought a guy from Astabula, Nico Jackson, really powerful dude, real nice guy. And he's a very well-known boxer in the Astabula area. And, you know, probably I was more nervous fighting, fighting that guy than most of my wrestling matches. Cause the guy was a really big dude. And, you know, and I went out there and tried to do my thing. I didn't throw one punch in my first fight. And I just took him down and what I was really good at. And then I, you know, tapped him out. But I mean, after that, that feeling when I won, I felt like that Chase Argangelo is back and like that I got something to do. And I'm pretty damn good at this, that I can start making this a lifestyle. And then it actually turned into my lifestyle ever since. And uh, it's been a hell of a movie. Yeah, man, I have so many follow-ups from that. First of all, you know, that fight that you had, that first fight, that amateur debut, it sounds like it was such a rewarding experience for you to win that fight, and it felt like you said Chase Archangelo was back. How was the mental hurdle from starting and in, getting into that fight and then winning it the way you did, and how redeeming was it? Yeah, I mean, because I was just thinking, you know, back in, you know, back in March, months before I signed the Way before I signed a contract, we were looking for a fight. You know, I was very out of, like, the – out of the funk, and I didn't really know. Like, people just – I was very unidentifiable. Like, I just didn't really know what I wanted. And, you know, when I started training and stuff, going back to the regiment that I used to do, staying busy, and I looked back right before the fight, I was just thinking about all the hard work I did and what, what would the guy back in March say now to the guy that I am today? And I'm so happy that I, you know, went out there and I did my thing. But it was pretty nerve-wracking, you know. And it's because anything happens and can happen in that damn cage. Like, you could be winning the whole fight and then you just see a hand hit you right in the jaw and you're under, you know. And I was, I mean, I had all my friends and family and it's a very humbling sport. You know, when I, when I was training every day, just trying to get the win. And, you know, I had a lot, I had such a great uh, supportive base. My best friend, Jose uh, Rodriguez, he's, He's really been a mentor to me since I came into uh, Ohio. He's the first person that became one of my best friends here. He started training me. He was supposed to come to Cleveland State, but he went to Notre Dame instead. But he he was training me when I first stepped foot in Ohio. And uh, I met him at a wrestling camp, and then we became boy, best friends ever since. You know, he was more of my training guy than anything, you know. And I was an independent fighter. I didn't really know what I wanted. and It was just more of a – like a big, big motivation for me. When as soon as I stepped in the cage, it all went away and it all came down, you know, when that bell rang and it, and it just turned me into a, a monster. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of fighters on Forge in Ohio that say that the sport of MMA has saved their life in some form. When you were at rock bottom, do you kind of agree with that statement that MMA kind of saved your life, taking you from rock bottom and kind of giving you a purpose, I guess? 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Because I was always known as a, you know, as a college wrestler, you know, not a lot of people get out of Delaware. I mean, we have a few every once in a while guys, you know, go go to the NFL, you know, my boy, Chris Godwin, you know, he, he grew up right down the street from me and he, he got out and now look at him now, he's Super Bowl champ. And like, 
my brother, he's a, he played football at Shippensburg University. And yet, a lot of guys just don't get out of Delaware. Everyone just wants to stay there. And, you know, not a bad life. But to me, I just want to, like, spread every way I can get. And when the, you know, the bad things happened to me two years ago, like, yeah, it, it saved my ass. I mean, it really saved my life. And I I found a purpose. And I'm looking in the mirror and I was like, wow, I'm pretty damn good at this. And I know that if I went to strong style and I wanted, I wanted to go with the best and I don't want to, I want I don't want to put half my chips and I'm going all in if I'm good at this and I want to do it and make it to the UFC one day or any, or any professional organization. I want to put all my chips in the pot and I want to go full force on it. And with my confidence and my confidence and just my, my self perseverance and everything like that. And if I can overcome that, I can literally do anything, you know, and that, then, that means waking up every day and waking up on a mission, becoming 1% better because that's how a lot of fighters, they have that drive and some people got nothing to lose. And I, back on my first fight, I didn't really have anything to lose. And then once I won, I just, I just wanted to get that feeling. It, it becomes an addiction, you know, and when you get addicted to the game, it's just, it's something that you can't really compare. Only fighters can tell you. How long did it take you to develop that mentality and that drive to become 1% better every single day? I love hearing that from you, but how long did it take you to actually develop that? You know, it, it was really after my first fight. I was getting ready for my second one, and we were going to go against a grappler and, you know, a guy that could stop my wrestling. And there's we always train, like Marcus Marinelli always tells me that we're not training for the next opponent. We're training for the guy that has – the better has the better wrestling, the better boxing, anything like that. And on your worst day, you want to be one percent better. And I felt like I always had it with me. I mean, we had a we even had a sign in our wrestling room saying, "On my worst day, I will become one percent better." It it, it kind of stuck with me. I never really thought about it until I started fighting. Because when you're in in the gym every day, you're gonna have really bad days. You're gonna have days where you're not feeling it. You're not throwing right punches. Takedowns aren't there and there's just days you're just not going to feel it. And then, then you want to do a little extra. Like if I don't like what I'm doing, I got to ask questions. And it kind of hit me more during my second camp because we were working on my boxing because my boxing was not there after my, um, during my first fight because I didn't throw one punch. We really, really preached being 1% better of just doing something that I'm not comfortable with. And then we, we turn it into something that I'm comfortable with. And, my boxing has gotten so much better now, and, and I preach being 1% better every day because Marcus wants us being 1% better on our worst day because we're going to have bad days. But, you know, bad days shall pass, and good days shall pass. you got to be able to balance it off. That's what the mental toughness is, and you got to have mental toughness. If you don't have mental toughness, then fighting's not for anyone, for the, for the guy. Yeah, absolutely, man. I love that. And I wanted to ask you about your boxing and your striking because I love asking wrestlers about their first time experiencing striking in MMA because some of these high-level wrestlers never threw or absorbed a punch getting into the sport. Is that the same experience that you had, and was there a learning curve for you in striking? 100%. I mean, I so when I first got at Strong Style, uh, when I first started representing them, uh, my training partners – you know, they didn't really put me with the amateurs. They just they just threw me to they just threw me with the pros. And I mean, I started sparring with Alexa Chamor, Jesse Murray. Sometimes, you know, when Stipe, Stipe came in, and yeah, he, they 
these guys humbled me and you know like but i i was obsessed with learning how to get you know get into the throwing hands moving my head build my confidence in my striking and yeah i got my ass kicked a few, like almost every week not knowing how to check kicks and you know block punches and throwing back and not not being afraid to get hit you know and the first time i was i was throwing with alexa alexa kicked my ass like he, he literally just yeah it was a very uh humbling feeling like wow i guess i'm not my wrestling can't stop everything you know and when i first got punched i was just like all right that doesn't feel good but now that I'm, my confidence is up i can move my head and if i get hit i'm like all right here we go but I'm more of a guy where I get hit, I kind of like it, and I want to get a little bit more charged up, and then I kind of get in more of a dogfight. And, you know, now that, you know, a lot of my teammates in the amateur level, they're just as good as any pro. I mean, these guys, I'm surprised. Like, if they could go turn pro right away, they absolutely could. But I was just obsessed with trying to get perfect a, uh, a craft and I'm already in discipline enough with my wrestling, and I already have that mentality. Mentality does never change if you want to learn something new. And I was just obsessed every day. And, like, I would literally be – I would walk in that gym probably at, like, 5 o'clock, and I don't get out of there till 10, 10.30 just to get my boxing down. I was on the boxing side for a good – man, like, a good five months before I even got back to wrestling, you know. So my wrestling will always be there. But I'll never forget my sharpest knife in the drawer. But having my boxing will absolutely increase my 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 level of intensity of, as a fighter. Absolutely, man. How far have the hands come, and how far can you still go with your striking skills right now? I mean, it, they're so, so much better. I mean, I've been also been striking with my boy Miles Robinson. You just had him on. Love him, I was yeah. cornering him back in his last fight against Tom Kaiser, and it was an absolute beautiful performance and uh he's been helping me out with my striking a lot alexa as well uh, aj dobson as well too and um also like my my coach alex cooper he's been really helping me out with my hands and they've gotten so much better i'm more confident than ever now i'm i'm battling pro boxers now and i like you know guys that go on the other side on the boxing side like i would be over there and then i would go spar at mma because i just want to be obsessed with my hands and be confident with them knowing that I can take a punch, but I can also throw back too. When I knew I was like, I can, I can be a really good boxer and I don't have to always rely on my wrestling. It was when I dropped a professional like a while ago, I didn't know how to throw one punch, but I have a nasty right hand. And if I, any wrestler has a good right hand, you can drop anybody. And as soon as I did that, this guy's had like 200 fights at an amateur and, I don't really know. I didn't know his pro record, but he, he hasn't been back in the gym since. But, I mean, I put this guy down, and I was and I just looked at my coach, didn't know what the hell I did. And till then, it was just, a you know, a good process. And Miles, has, Miles whooped off on me a lot, and he's been really helping me out this camp. And uh, um, AJ as well. And Marcus is preaching about my hands as well because I know we're going to be throwing hands with this guy my next fight. Yeah, and I can't wait to talk to you about your next fight as well. And if there's a place to improve your striking and overall MMA game, it's going to be strong style. Is there something to where like you haven't really felt challenged yet in the cage because you're training with the best of the best and these other amateurs just can't compare with who you have in the weight room every single day? Absolutely. I mean, 
I mean, I'm never going to look past an opponent, so I give them high respect because, I mean, I've had over 30 different opponents, but a lot of them pulled out because, you know, with, with work or, you know, another weird excuse or something like that. Like, I, I am really strongly knowing that I'm in the best gym in Ohio, and I know there's other strong gyms in Ohio as well. But, I mean, I just feel like it, me in general, like I, I am in with the best guys. And when I step in the cage – with another person, I know for a fact, like, hey, this guy's not anyone who I train with. Most of the guys I train with, they're either in the UFC or have winning records. My my boy Josh Roller just won the Anthony Pettis' uh, title. I train with him almost every day, too. And, like, I just know for a fact that it just keeps my confidence up skyrockets. And being able to have those guys in my room and training me and pushing me with – no egos, no, no, no BS, you know, and we're straightforward. We're brothers. We love each other at the end of the day. And it's an absolute blessing to, to be a part of that, that, that foundation, that family. And, and with such guys to look up to too. And I look up to miles. Miles is one of my best friends, AJ too, man. Like there, I can't wait to see miles go to the UFC, man. He's going to, he's going to shake that whole division. Yeah, absolutely. I love talking to Miles every single opportunity that I can as well. I have to ask you about Stipe Miocic because he's a legend of the sport, a legend in Ohio, and a dream guest of mine to have on the show. And we've already mentioned him a little bit. What's training with the heavyweight goat like? And how surreal is it for you to train with a guy that you went to that event for, obviously Stipe, and then over him as well in that fight? Is it kind of surreal for you to get in there with the heavyweight goat? I mean, it's an honor to be uh share mass with him. We, we, we train really hard and you know we, we know we, we he's got he's got a really uh, good fight at the end of the year but training with him is an absolute like it's an honor and especially with a man a guy like him he's one of the nicest nicest guys that you could ever ever meet but when it's time to work it's time to work and you know we could have fun and everything like that outside the gym but other but when we walk in the gym together we, we clock in. And that, that's almost for everybody. And being able to, you know, wrestle wrestle with Stipe and, you know, it's an absolute true blessing. And not a lot of people can, can ever say that, you know. And being – he was he came – you know, I was – they all welcomed me with open arms too. And, you know, Stipe is one of the – he is he is the baddest man on the planet without hesitation. And he's an, he's an absolute goat. And being able to, to, to watch him and learn from him as well because – you know, I, I feel like he is, he is teaching me a lot and, you know, it's going to, you know, help me out with my career and, and it's an absolute, it's an absolute blessing to have him on, on our team, man. And I, and I, I couldn't be any more thankful. You mentioned his fight at the end of the year, likely going to be against John Jones for the heavyweight title. Give yeah. me a breakdown, man. What do you think? John Jones has his hands full because the thing is with my, in my opinion is that John Jones has never been hit by a heavyweight. And Stipe has a really nasty, heavy hands, man. And, you know, and Stipe's got the wrestling, too. And everyone keeps saying that John Jones looked spectacular against Gon. Well, obviously he did because he exposed Gon didn't have wrestling. And it showed when Gon fought Nagano. And, you know, I would I would have done the same exact thing. I wouldn't be wasting punches. I would want to be in and out because everyone wants to get out as fast as they can. And, and everyone's saying that, you know, it's going to be a mismatch and all that. Stipe is not he, – he, he is, uh, you know, he, he's massive, he's sized, he's got really awesome hands. And, you know, I, I really think 
I'm very confident of that. We're, we're, we're going to beat this guy. And no, no, you know, John Jones is an absolute dog, but now he's in the heavyweight division. There's some big dogs in there and Stipe is a big dog. And I really think we, we have, we, we got a good chance, man. And I, I'm strong. I'm confident enough to, to say that, you know, Stipe can do this, man. And I, and there, there, there's no doubt in my mind. Yeah, I completely agree, and I love the confidence from one of his highly skilled teammates up there at Strong Style. Talking to Chase, the Archangel, Archangelo on Forge in Ohio. You are 3-0 and with three wins inside the distance. We've already kind of talked about those fights that you've had. So does the 3-0 and record and three finishes put a chip on your shoulder in any way? Do you feel like you're unstoppable right now in your career? Um, You know, I, I feel that I am uh, I'm more of a... Uh... Like, yeah, it, it's pretty badass to stop in a lot of people. But, you know, I, the thing is for me is that I'm I'm not training for the next guy. I mean, I, I could care less about this, this guy. I'm training to fight the guy that I'm going to be fighting for a world title one day mm. or the guy that may have better wrestling than me, that may have better jujitsu than me. And we're always training for the next guy, the next better guy, you know. And, yeah, I do feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bad MF, you know, and, like, that and we have that foundation at strong style we are drilled in our head that we we are some mean mother efforts you know and i think that we can we can i can literally do it i can beat anybody and i'm confident that i can beat anybody and i will now that i'm cutting to 170 now and you know my last three fights were at 185 and smoked all three of them in an orderly fashion now that i'm at 70 i'm just it my confidence is just gonna skyrocket more that i'm just gonna lift those little boys up and drop them on their head, you know, and I, I just think I'm coming into my next fight, man. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to, to show Cleveland and the entire mid, mid Midwest and the entire country that well, I'm all about and I mean business. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that because I was going to ask you about that kind of mindset of fighting to become world champion one day and preparing for those guys at the highest level. Because I'm not mm-hmm. sure if you're familiar with Dylan the Mindless Hulk Budka, but he's a middleweight yes. in LFA. I had him on Forge in Ohio, and he was talking about how he's already training for the Israel Adesanya's of the world in preparation to be on Absolutely. that stage. It sounds like you've kind of done the same so far and would be t- potentially interested in a crack at the last style bender if you have a quick rise in the sport. Well, absolutely. I mean, and Dylan, Dylan's an absolute dog. We used to work together back in the day. Uh, we used to bounce together at the same club. And uh, <laughs> it was, you know, it's a, bad, it's a dangerous duo, if you tell me. So, but yeah, Dylan, Dylan's an absolute dog at 185, man. And, you know, he, and I, there's no doubt in my mind, he's fighting this weekend. He's going to take over. He's going to take over this, that 185, man. I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that, and that's why me and Dylan are so similar because we, we literally have a really, confident mindset and he's gonna he's an absolute dog i watched all of his fights man he i love watching him fight and just tear everybody up and uh but me at 70 man like because i i didn't really want to cut weight uh my first three fights and then now that you know we're we're gonna be we're getting deeper and my professional career i'm gonna be fighting at 70 and i don't really care who holds the bell at 70 whether it's whether if, if good old leon's there and or if if Covington's there and, you know, or whoever it is, man, like, you know, I respect all those guys highly, but I'm not there yet. And I'm going to build my way up and like, and then I'll talk and then I'll talk my thing, you know, when I get there, you know, and um, anything can happen. And uh, as long as I stay healthy and being able to assess with my coaches and everything like that, and believe what my coaches got me, got me doing, uh, we're going to make it for sure. 
Yeah, it's interesting. A future at welterweight for you. When you watch a UFC title fight at welterweight, so like recently Leon Edwards, Kamara Usman, when you watch that fight, I'm sure you're not watching that as a fan. Do you almost feel like you belong on that stage or you deserve to have that shot to be in a title fight in the UFC at 170? Do you kind of have that feeling when watching a title fight like that? Honestly, as a fighter, you got to have that. You got to have that in the back of your head, you know, and like, because if you want to get to that level, you're going to have to go through guys like that, you know, and I, I, I think they're they're both equally powerful, powerful fighters. And Kamaru is one of my favorite fighters because obviously wrestlers, look, we look out for each other. You know, we always we're team wrestlers, you know, and a lot of people sleep on wrestling. And, you know, I, in my opinion, I think that one day, like if no one can stop my wrestling, you know, and it, it's. 170 is up for the taking. And I, I feel like I'm strong enough to go after anybody. And if anyone ever gave me a chance, you know, if if somehow, like, in, in God's good will, someone just, you know, gives me a call, I'm not going to say no. I mean, I, I'll literally fight anybody. I really don't care. I mean, right now, like, yeah, I, I'm just – I could be that tough guy to take a punch. But, you know, once I keep building up my confidence, keep stacking up the bodies and body bags and everything like that, you know, it's going to become a really dangerous site, that's for sure. Hey, you love to hear it, man. I want to talk about your fourth fight coming up because two weeks ago you made the announcement that your next fight will be on June 3rd at MGM Casino in Northfield. To yes, ask sir. about the announcement itself first, you posted an amazing picture with the Undertaker's theme song on it. Tell me more about that incredible photo and then the choice to pick the perfect song with it as well. Oh, yeah. So my boy Brian... He's uh he works with me at Strong Style. Um, I do try I do coach there sometimes as well. He he's one of my really good friends of mine, and he because I'm more of a, I'm a Star Wars nerd a little bit, but uh so we kind of have that like little Sith ish vibe to it, and I wanted to have a little bit of an evil look, and uh, you know since I'm the Archangel, and you know I just wanted to have something that kind of simulates just a tiny bit. I mean I picked that photo because it was just I just think it's pretty pretty dark and evil and like. We're gonna be get we're gonna be you know getting a body bag for this guy, man, and and my whole my whole my whole city's gonna be coming there, and I'm gonna put on a show. I'm a great entertainer, and uh, with that photo, it just simulates that I'm I'm in a I'm in a good place, but I'm also ready to rock, and you know I got everybody in my corner, and I'm just really excited to perform in front of my in front of my all my friends and family. That's that was the biggest that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah, I want to say that this is the closest fight of your career to the actual city of Cleveland. How excited are you about that? And do you expect a lot of support for you in the crowd that night? Oh, one hundred percent. I I really think that this. I'm gonna. I, I know for a fact I'm selling this place out. I I sold out all the other venues. You know, I I sold out Cage Thunder in Akron, and it's a forty five minute commute. And I sold Mansfield out, and that's an hour and a half commute. You know, and I, I sold lots of tickets and now that i've been i've been begging 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 to get a fight in the cleveland area and now my wish came true and uh i know for a fact and especially with at this venue it's gonna be absolutely a movie it's gonna be the closest thing to the ufc like you know wfc is a really good really good organization they put on a really good show and i i was being cornering my my last buddy uh jay pfeiffer and the last time they fought back in February in at the same venue, and it was absolutely a spectacular venue. And I was talking to the promoters that I wanted to get get this next um, next fight here, 
And, uh, you know, we talked it all out, worked it all out, and it's going to be an absolute great night. And uh, I'm super excited to fight in pretty much in Cleveland. I'm going to be, I'm going to sell so many tickets and it's going to, I just can't wait, man. Super excited. It's, I'm in loss of words right now of how excited I am. Yeah, man, it all goes down June 3rd. Do you have an opponent for the fight yet? Yeah, so we got this guy, uh, I forget his name. I think it's Paul Bartnick or some weasel name. I don't really know his name, but I really know that he did beat two of my teammates, but I mean, he kind of lives by the rules, and he, he fought one guy, one of our guys in PA. And I mean, our guy was winning the whole fight, but he wasn't. You're not allowed to ground and pound to the head in PA and all that nonsense. And and he hasn't fought a guy like me. My wrestling's too spectacular. And uh, yeah, he's a brown belt in jujitsu, but you can't bring that belt with you in the cage. I respect him highly for taking the fight because not a lot of people want to fight me, and it's pretty terrifying when you step in the cage with me. I really think um, I'm confident enough that we're going to take this fight swiftly. I'll hopefully drop him on his head. and Maybe he'll try to go for a submission or something, but my punches are going to be hitting him too. We have a good game plan. I believe in my coaching staff and my teammates. So we'll go, I'll just leave it at that. Does it give you even more motivation knowing that he has wins over some of your teammates? 100%. I know this is a vengeance. This is more of a vengeance thing than anything. And like, I know because... We, we won those fights and, you know, we just came up short off the decisions. But, like, now that I know that I'm, you know, this guy, he's beating some of my guys, but now it's time to rip his head off and, you know, show us what show him what Strong Style is all about. And, you know, he, he tried to do takedowns on our guys and he had a hard time doing it. I know for a fact he, he, he would have a lot of balls to try to take me down because I haven't been taken down in three years and no one takes me down. So, and I'm confident enough that I'm, I can drop him down anytime I want. Well, I think I know the answer to this next one. Is there any doubt in your mind that you'll become 4-0 after June 3rd? Uh, you know, it's just, uh, to me, it's, yes, I'm confident of being 4-0, but obviously I'm not going to look past this guy. But without my doubt, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to go out absolutely embarrass him and send him back to PA and, you know, with a loss. And I'm, I'm confident enough that I'm going to absolutely – embarrass this man and with all my with the home crowd advantage i'm confident enough i'm not gonna let it all get in my head i won't get overexcited. it's just straight business i'm i'm here to because this man's in my way to get me in the ufc one day or whatever organization that signs me you know there's he's just another guy to be in my way and i'm not even gonna walk by i'm gonna kick right through his head and uh i'm i'm confident enough you know with my coaches and everything and that we're we're ready for this guy 100% and I am I'm expecting to be 4-0 after this. I love the confidence and I can't wait for June 3rd. Once again talking to Chase the Archangel Archangelo with us on Forge in Ohio. You have just over 11 minutes of total cage time in your amateur career. I know turning pro might be a year or two away, but how important is it for you to get as much experience in your amateur fights now before making that huge step, that huge leap in your career? 100%. You know, I I, uh, I really would – I think this is the test right now. You know, this next fight, I mean, it's, this is going to be cage time, you know, and, like, there's going to be there's gonna be uh, fights where I'm not going to be shutting guys out the first the first round. And uh, I really think that once we um, assess what we have to do and I'm willing – because we train five-minute – I train five-minute rounds anyway, and I'll do threes. 
I don't need, I don't need, I only need three minutes, obviously, but five minutes, I always train like I'm a professional, always. Obviously, when we, you know, when we start clenching down to, to fight week, okay, we, we want to be aggressive on the three minutes because I don't have a lot of time, but yeah, getting, getting uh, cage time is super important. But unfortunately, my with my last three victims, they didn't I didn't really get that concept. But this one should be it should be a good one, and uh, and I really think that I'll, I'll I'll be in there for a little bit. But I want to be out of there as soon as possible. You know, my my goal is to go out there and it's kill or be killed in it in this game. You know, and um, you know, cage time is important. But if I can go out there and put this guy out under a minute, under under a round or two, I'm okay with that too. As long as we get the win, I walk out. Hug my family, hug my friends with a win. I'm okay with that. Almost trying to beat Miles Robinson's uh, 37 second knockout a couple months yeah, ago. So I mean, the thing is, me Miles got some nasty and dangerous hands. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm super happy when I saw that man. I was in this corner. It was a really funny picture of me of my reaction when when he dropped him. But uh, you know, who knows? Who knows? Maybe I can maybe I can get it in 35 or 33. But my boy Miles, man, he he's got the nastiest hands in the game, man. And uh, but yeah, I was just with him yesterday, and we were we're we're just cracking down on everything, just getting it right down to detail, you know. And uh, you know, hopefully, we'll see. Maybe that's my goal is to beat beat Miles's uh thirty seven second knockout. We'll we'll see. Hey, there you go. Get some bragging rights in the gym for you there. Oh, one hundred percent. So this fight goes down June third. How many more fights are you trying to get in twenty twenty three? I want to try to get one more after this one. I'm, I'm turning pro right away. I'm not wasting any time, man. I, I'm not that guy. Like, I know a lot of people that want to, like, get three, get, like, seven or eight. I'm not getting any younger. You know, I, I'm 20. I'll be 25 at the end of the month, uh, at, at the end of May. And uh, I'm not wasting time. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get my, get my cash and, you know, start making the real money because I will be making a lot of money when I turn pro. And, I know how to sell tickets. You know, I back up, I back up my shit talk, but like, you know, I'm a salesman, I'm an entertainer and I'm a well, well, really good performer. And, you know, I'm, and I'm a guy, I'm the guy that's going to be the next, the next dog. I got all the, I got all my brothers that are going to do it. And, you know, I know my boy Dylan Buck, he's, he's the top dog right now, man. I, I can't wait to watch him walk through this division, the 185 division. And my boy Miles, he's, same way at 170, dude. He's walking through. He's 3-0 at pro right now. He's going to be walking through. And, you know, now and then when, I'm, when I turn pro, man, it's going to be us three just walking through this. Walking. Oh, it's going to be Ohio taking on everybody. And I'm super excited to see that. And all my tier teammates are going to be taking off soon. I can't wait to see it. Ohio taking on the world. I love to hear it, man. And I love hearing not only your self-confidence and what you're going to do in your career, but also the pride that you have in your teammates like Dylan Budka and Miles Robinson. I want to ask about your goals in your career, though, because I saw a post on your Instagram with the UFC belt. Is that the ultimate goal for the Archangel to become the UFC welterweight champion one day? You know, that's the that's the prime goal. You know, when I first stepped in at Cleveland, I never really saw what I wanted. I thought I was trying to be an NCAA champ or an NCAA All-American, and that wasn't that wasn't in the drawing board. That wasn't on the board. Now I have a chance now to prove myself and prove everybody that they used to sleep on me and doubted me back home. And you know, I had you know, when I was young, I you know I, I wanted to be a champion one day, but didn't know which belt to hold. You know, I mean, maybe be a world champion wrestling or be a national champion wrestling and you know, that wasn't in the cards. 
I had a lot of people told me I could, I wouldn't even make it to college or I wouldn't even do this and that. And now that I'm actually living my reality of fighting and I'm undefeated right now and I'm super confident that I will be a world champion one day. I want to bring a belt back home, just like how Stipe did. Instead of just having one belt in that gym, we're going to have two UFC belts in there one day. Or who knows, maybe we can get three one day or, or four or five, six. The, the end, it's endless. I'm super confident with, you know, with my coaches, with Marcus Marinelli. He's, he is the best coach out there. And, and also Alex Cooper, my boxing coach and uh, Bobby Khalil. He's, he's also one of my, one of my coaches. I, I have the best staff and I, and with this great staff, I know that they're going to reach me to my full potential. And that's becoming a world champ one day. Absolutely, man. You have the people around you to get that done. One thing you mentioned, though, kind of that underdog mentality, people doubting you throughout your career. Do you thrive with that underdog mentality? 100%, man. Like, I, you know, when I was younger, I, I wanted to be a state champ in high school, and I had kids tell me I couldn't do it. I had a teacher tell me I couldn't do it. I couldn't even, wouldn't even make it to college. And I was just – and then all I remember was just watch. you know, I just, just said, watch me. Watch me. That's it. And then, you know – I got it, and I literally it be just it just becomes more satisfying to do it. And now that I had people tell me, I you know I don't think fighting would be good for you, and this and that. And I'm like, well, I don't care what you how you feel. It's making me feel spectacular, being able to to get up and just have that motivation and drive to just to shut everyone up. You either you either because because all the other haters are now fans. You know what I mean and. Like, I just need, I need more haters now. That way, because the, the other ones, they all become fans now, you know. And watching that, that's more satisfaction than anything. Hey, man, as the fame comes, the haters will come with it. I'm sure of that, too. One thing that has come up throughout this podcast is your pride in Ohio and your teammates and everything like that. And I did want to ask you a question about a post on your Instagram with the problem child himself, Jake Paul, of course, an Ohio native as well. (laughs) An epic caption, by the way, saying the Titans of Cleveland absolutely love that. What do you think about what Jake Paul has done in combat sports? Don't get me wrong. This guy, listen, the kid can fight. He can box. I mean, if you, I, I'd be concerned if you don't, if you have the best boxing coaches in the world and you're not a good fighter, I'd be concerned. And, you know, maybe, yeah, there's, you know, in the beginning, he really didn't, he really kind of not, not, he didn't hurt the sport, but he, he's kind of getting it out there, getting that combat sports out there. It's more lively and people are, people are watching it. Whether you love or hate the guy, you paid for a damn ticket. I don't know, watch him get knocked out or him knocking someone else out. And, you know, he, he's marketable. He's entertaining. He's an entertainer. That's what entertainers do, man. You know, and doesn't go to the MMA, but he, I mean, apparently he's, there's rumors saying he will, but it wouldn't be a really good day for him. But boxing, man, he's, he's changing the sport and, you know, and I don't, I, I can't say if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but he's an entertainer. He's bringing new newcomers, new people to, to watch the sport, you know, in combat sports. And, you know, I like, I want, I like that he's, He's pushing on MMA guys to get paid more. I really think that's a really good thing that he's that he's bringing on the table for us. And you know, yeah, man, just pretty. That's pretty much it, though. You know, I got nothing really nothing wrong with Jake. You know, I mean, he's that. What he what's he done to me? He's never done anything to me. So, yeah, that's pretty much the same perspective that I have on Jake Paul. Of course, Jake Paul Nate Diaz goes down in August, I believe. What do you think about that matchup? Man, I don't know. I mean, I guess. Nate's got a lot of scar tissue on his face and, you know, and Jake's a power. Jake hits hard, man. He, he dropped Woodley and he, 
he drops a lot of people and guys that had good chins. I mean, Nate, Nate's not really known for his chin. He go, he gets knocked down a lot, but he gets up, obviously. But I say the only way Nate beats him is if he has his cardio still. If Nate has that cardio, I think he, he, he can beat Jake. But if Jake just comes in and just keeps hitting him, and they might do a doctor stoppage probably because it might come down to a doctor stoppage because – there's all that scar tissue on his face, man. It, I mean, you flick him and it cuts him open, you know, and that's probably what might what happened, but we'll see. I mean, I'm not – I hate critiquing on fights and predictions and shit, but, you know, because anything can happen in the game, you know. So I think it'll be very entertaining that they'll do their shit talking and the promote the promos. It'll, it'll be absolutely erratic. Like, it'll be absolutely entertaining to watch. It'll bring a lot of people watching it, so – Either way, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm rooting for Nate, but I'm, you know, I'm rooting for Jake too, you know, because you know they're gonna, Nate's gonna have a good little money, gonna have some good, per, has gonna have good money out of it. Nate will too, and he's probably gonna get paid more than he ever did in, in the UFC. Exactly. Well, before we wrap up, anything you want to shout out in terms of social media handles or sponsorships, anything you want to plug here on the podcast? Yeah. So I want to. Uh, Shout out to all my friends and family back in Delaware. I love you guys to death. Thank you for everything you guys support um, throughout my my career. All my people in Cleveland, June 3rd, MGM and Northfield. Can't wait to see you all there to watch me absolutely dominate this man. I want to shout out a few of my sponsors, Barley House Cleveland. Thank you guys so much for hosting my after parties and everything you guys done for me. My gym strong style. I want to thank you guys so much. And all my teammates uh, that helped me throughout my process and my career, Jose Rodriguez, uh, Miles Robinson, AJ Dobson, my, my boy Alexa Chamore, big dog coming up soon, Deepa Miocic. And most importantly, I want to thank uh, my coaches, Marcus Marinelli, uh, Alex Cooper, Bobby Khalil, and so on and so forth. And uh, I want to thank my, my, my family, my mom, my brother Landon, and my father, Joe Argangelo, and my mother, Heather Argangelo, for just pushing me throughout my whole life. And uh, most importantly, my brother for helping me out my whole life, too. Thanks again, Chase, for joining me on the show. It was a pleasure to be able to talk to you and hear your story. I know you're from Delaware, but you represent the state of Ohio proudly. I always end interviews on Fortune Ohio with the OHIO chant that I'm sure you're familiar with. So, oh, yeah. OH! I owe, baby. Thanks, Chase. Thanks again for the time. Good luck on June 3rd. I think I speak for a lot of people when I say that I can't wait to see you get back in there, and hopefully we can do this again sometime soon. 100%, man. Thank you for having me on. That was Chase the Archangel, Archangelo, the 3-0 amateur mixed martial artist. He's embraced the state of Ohio since he moved here. He competes with the best of the best at Strong Style, and his wrestling ability is simply unmatched. I'm excited to see him back in action on June 3rd, and the Archangel might have to bring yet another body bag with him to the MGM Casino in Northfield. That's going to do it for episode 27 of the show. Don't forget to follow at Forge in Ohio on Instagram and download episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you all for tuning in. I've been your host, Jake Murrin, and this was Forged in Ohio.